Welcome to episode number 41 of the Mastering Marriage Podcast, where our goal is to strengthen, unite, and restore your marriage. My name is Amanda Taylor, and together with my husband David, we are the co-founders of MendarMarriage.com, and our goal is to break the back of divorce by bringing married couples together to be accountable, keep the passion alive, and expose the hidden issues that try to rip marriages apart. And we are back in the booth today with me, of course, Amanda Taylor, and my husband, my hero, Mm -hmm. David Taylor. Hey, guys. (laughs) Welcome back to the Mastering Marriage Podcast, um, episode number forty-one. So that's, we're getting up there, a little bit, a little bit older. That's, one more episode bit. older. So anyway, guys, we 40s. yeah, we are we are in our forties. Um, but guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in again to another juicy, information-packed episode of the Mastering Marriage Podcast yes. because um, we're going to drop another nugget on you guys today. Um, and first we we just want to say thank you for everybody who's been consistently tuning in. Um, we've had thousands and thousands of downloads to these podcasts, so we really, really, really appreciate your support. Thank you. Um, the brand is growing and we, we're happy. We're enjoying helping marriages survive. Yes. Um, and not just survive, but thrive. And so this podcast, episode number 41, is going to focus on just that. But before we do... I would like to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you on behalf of Motivated to Love, where this book will help you to really do just that, become motivated to love, to improve your stand, and to help motivate your spouse, your reluctant spouse, to love you again. Yes. And it's not just about forcing them to do what you want them to do, but it's about demonstrating agape love, demonstrating mm-hmm. the heart of God. Um, and so if you're interested in checking that book out, go to Motivated, the number two love.com that's motivated the number two love.com okay so now that we're past the introductions um (laughs) this podcast is going to talk about something that we we is a question that we get asked a lot yes um and it's actually a question that's in my book uh chapter three i think it's chapter three of the book or maybe coming y'all yeah (laughs) of the book that i'm halfway done writing um this 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 question is in there, and I actually spent some time answering it. So I want to answer it now, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a intro into what the book is going to be about, but also because people need this answer. So mm-hmm. the question is, why is my spouse a reluctant spouse? Why mm-hmm. is he or she reluctant about the marriage? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, the answer may seem a little basic if you just think about it, but it's really not. It's actually a really deep answer. Yeah. Um, and so I want to take some time to peel this apart because... I, at one point in my marriage with my beautiful wife, was reluctant, mm-hmm. um, or some may call prodigal, but I like the term reluctant just because it's a little different. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I was reluctant, and I want to kind of give you guys an intro, or I guess an inside look into the mind of a reluctant spouse. Like, mm-hmm. what goes on in their mind? Where, where, Why are they reluctant? And how can you help them to become motivated to love again? No pun intended. But um, anyway, what you think, baby? You what you, you what, what thoughts do you have before we dive in? I'm definitely excited for this episode to be able to hear you talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know I've written my book from my perspective, being motivated to love, being on the side of the spouse who has been told 
you know, I don't love you anymore. That's what mm-hmm. you told me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I'm in love with you anymore. And so I think it's time for the listeners to be able to hear, you know, the mind of a reluctant. Mm, yeah. You know, so I'm excited about that. Well, and, and speaking of your book, I forgot to mention that thanks to everybody that's been purchasing it on Amazon and putting reviews, Amanda's book is a Amazon bestseller. And so in the divorce <laughs> category, we really appreciate the support. Yes, thank you um, so much, And I'm guys. so proud of her. I'm so proud of Mandy. Amazon bestseller. I mean, I, that's on your resume. That it sticks is. with you. That's, it's a blessing. I'm re- <laughs> I really appreciate everybody. Yeah, yeah. So we thank you guys. I just I meant to plug that in earlier. But That's anyway, right. so, okay, why is my spouse reluctant about the marriage? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so this question is a very broad question, um, and I'm going to attempt to do it some justice today. Um, and this is a segment of what I also have in the book. I don't have a title. I'm, it may be unmotivated to love. Well, I think you should put it out there and yeah, let other, let everybody we'll, help you. We'll 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 send something out in a while, maybe on an email list and have people help. But in any case, um, let me let me start by sharing something that everybody should be aware of. So, whenever you get into a relationship, whether you are first dating or you first meet that person, we all present with a mask, right? So mm-hmm. we all come to the relationship wearing an image of who we would like to be seen as. Mm-hmm. And I call that your ideal self. So, you know, when I first met Mandy, you know, I made sure I came proper. And when she first met me, she, you know, she made sure she came proper because <laughs> I was going to just drop that non-junkie. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, we, we all present with an image of who we would like the other person to see us as. Yes, that's so yeah. true. And that's, that's our ideal image. That's our ideal self. That's, right. that's the person that we aren't, but we would like to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... We wear those masks to cover up our true selves. So that's who we really are. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily like that person 100%, so we present an ideal image. And then we also use that ideal image or that mask to cover up what I call your disowned traits. Mm-hmm. Or those qualities, those traits about you that you aren't too happy to have. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more than just, you know, I have... Uh, hairy upper lip if I'm a woman. That's 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 your true self. But a disowned trait is I am moody and obnoxious or, you know, for, for a male, it could be I'm temperamental. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a secret porn issue that no one knows about, mm-hmm. right? Those things are disowned traits. Those are the things that you completely hide from everybody. No one right. really knows about this. Maybe you're closest, the person closest to you, maybe a parent, but nine times out of ten, nobody knows about these disowned traits um, unless they really get to know you for good, like mm-hmm. on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so, so keep that in mind before I get into answering this question that whenever you get into a relationship, there's your ideal image or the mask that you wear. That's the picture that you want people to see. Mm-hmm. Your true self, that's the person that you really are, but you just ain't proud of that person and then your disowned traits those are the things that you just don't like about yourself and so you try to push them in the back burner you get rid of them you forget about them you overlook them because those are traits that you don't want nobody to know and i want to give an example of a true self example the one that you don't want other people to see sometimes that can be in the form of Mm -hmm. insecurities Mm -hmm. um maybe you know lack of Mm self-worth or self-esteem yeah those are huge ones right there yeah and that's good and, and really, it's really good because we wear our mask to conceal those. And sometimes you don't even know those things are there until they're exposed in a relationship. Exactly. But we're going to get there because Mandy is jumping ahead, Sorry. as usual. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, so think about this. 
the position of a reluctant spouse is more of a gradual progression rather than just a destination that someone arrives at. Okay, so I have not met a, re a reluctant spouse who woke up today and said, today, I'm going to be a reluctant spouse. No one says that, right? Quite simply, no one sets out to be a reluctant spouse in a relationship. You know, for me, when I got married to Mandy, you know, it was my intention was for loving her literally until death did us part, like we said in our vows. Um, and we made some very, like, elaborate Grandiose. Grandiose vows. I mean, we made some great public declarations um, about our desires to have a long-lasting, healthy, fruitful marriage. Right. You know, there was not a dry eye in the place, you know, <laughs> including ours. I mean, we, we spit some game to each other, right? <laughs> I remember that. We, I mean, and I took some time. I really was serious about those vows. I, I really prayed and contemplated and made sense that these vows made sense. I didn't just write something or say it just to say it. I really put my heart and soul into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming, Mandy, you did right, the same thing. Right, right. And so I, when, I didn't. I didn't expect to become a reluctant spouse. I was serious about becoming a husband. And I thought that I had all the answers. Mm -hmm. So I was ready. I was ready to take on the world. You know, I, you know, I committed to only having eyes for my wife. I, I made that commitment. I committed to protecting her, to providing for her, to leading the family, uh, to being the spiritual covering. I mean, I was convinced that I would never, ever fail as a husband. Because I had been through divorce growing up, and both my parents were divorced at times, I was like, I never want to have that in my household. And so and I was convinced. And when he says been through divorce, he yeah. means when he was younger, he experienced in his house. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't been. No, no, before. I've been. Yeah, when when my parents yeah. divorced, and then my mom yeah. married and divorced four times. Yeah. That you know, so I'd gone through those processes, and I see how destructive and divisive divorce is. I was like, I don't want that in my household. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? sane, rational person would want that, right? Did right. you want that in your household, no, Sandy? I'm just asking. Cause, no, sir. <laughs> yeah, because you've been through something similar, right? Yes, you know, exactly. so And so I was serious about it. I was like, man, I'm about to love both the life out of this girl. I'm about to love her until I can't love her no more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we got married, you know, and everything that I had promised got lost in the tides of transition. This mm -hmm. Now, follow me, guys. Everything that I promised got lost in the tides of transition. All of my grandiose statements became a shadow, literally a shadow, as I struggled to dodge the reflection of my true identity that Mandy began to show me. Okay? Now I want you to catch that. Say that one more time. All of my grandiose statements, all of the big dreams and promises that I made became a shadow as I struggled to dodge the reflection of my true identity that Mandy began to show me. Mm. This is deep. Remember, the moment you get married, your spouse becomes your mirror or you become and or you become a mirror for your spouse. Right. So suddenly when they looked at you now, now take this personal. OK, think about your marriage. Think about you and your spouse, especially if your spouse is struggling right now and they're reluctant. Right. So initially when they looked at you, they, they were on cloud nine. You know, they looked at you with passion and desire and, and love and whatever you want to call it. They they had that when they looked at you. But eventually, over time, especially once you get married, the moment they start looking at you, they see themselves differently. Because remember, you are their reflection. You begin to reflect back to them the contents of their heart. So suddenly when they looked at you, they saw themselves, except for... The fact that they saw not their ideal self, they saw their disowned traits. 
they saw those things about them, the conditions of their hearts that they were looking to hide. The parts of them that they would fight tooth and nail every day to keep hidden, they began to see those things when they looked at you. Now, all of their past baggage, their past failures, and the insecurities that they have, even though they don't own them, now all of those things were accessible and at risk of being exposed. So imagine, right? T- take me. I'm, you know, I grew up. I didn't have a a healthy model of masculinity in my life. So I was very emotionally um, uh, illiterate. Mm. I wasn't. I didn't know how to connect with my emotions properly. Now I knew how to do it better than most because I was raised around women, but I still didn't have a healthy male demonstrating how to be a healthy emotional man. Mm-hmm. So imagine I get to my wife, right? And I have all of these past issues that I just completely got rid of or disown. And all of a sudden when I get married, I start to see those issues creeping up when I look at my wife. The very first thing that I'm going to do is say what? They're her issues. Mm-hmm. Those are Mandy's issues. Now, now think about this. This is psychology. This is not like a thing that we do on purpose. Mm-hmm. We are pain-avoiding, pleasure-seeking creatures, right? Mm-hmm. So we often avoid the things that are painful and protect ourselves from those things that are the most threatening. Right. So in an attempt to protect themselves, or when they, if I'm using me as an example, whenever I started to see my issues reflected back to me through Mandy, guess what I would do? I would do what most men do. I would retreat. I would protect myself. I would overcompensate, right? I would become a machismo guy. One of those, you know, you, you most they they say most guys that's in the gym trying to be big and buff. And I used to be this guy, you know. Their 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 big muscles are overcompensating for something else that they're lacking, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to be this guy because I I would think that big muscles meant you were a man, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's actually not even close to truth because there are women with bigger muscles than me. Does that mean she a man? It might be. I don't know. Nowadays, things are a little different. I don't know. That's a different topic. Don't don't go there. But anyway, so imagine that though. I start to see my issues reflected back to me. The very things that I did not want to be exposed, I start to see when I look at my wife. I'm going to retreat and I'm going to start reacting to my wife as if she's the threat. Now, I think that this is a good point where we can give a tangible example okay. of what that would look like. Okay. You want to um, do, do the honors? Sure, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. So, <laughs> um, so an example would be if you are a person who is insecure in your ability to, um, to communicate, mm. for instance. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Then, you know, you're interacting with your spouse and when you're talking to them, you know, you can't get your point across. Ooh, it's going good. I okay. like where it's going. And so because they, they're having a hard time understanding you, then mm-hmm. you blame them for that. Mm-hmm. And so then that becomes their issue instead mm-hmm. of you being able to face your issue of maybe not knowing how to communicate effectively. Yeah. And you become intimidated, insecure. And you retreat. You retreat. You stop, you know, you stop talking, you yep. stop, you know, you shut down. You, yeah, you shut down. And then mm-hmm. when conflict arises, instead of taking it head on or, um, yes, instead of taking it head on, mm-hmm. you just, you know, avoid it. You avoid it. You, you get defensive and you stonewall. Yes. And that's something that most men do. 
especially because we are ill-equipped to deal with our emotions. We just don't know how to do it, right? And so so think about that. Think about that transition. And, and I know we went through it quickly, but imagine this happening over time. And because either you or your spouse, you guys aren't good at pointing out those issues and really dealing with them the right way, they create negative cycles, mm-hmm. right, or crazy cycles. And eventually, the more you do it, the more you get used to protecting yourself. Right. The more likely I am to uh, leave or to regress or to protect myself because I don't feel safe and secure in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we first got together, because I presented with my ideal self and because she presented with her ideal self, I found security in that. Because those were the things, the very things that I was looking for, the very things that I was needing, mm-hmm. Right. And I created expectations based on the ideal self. And then all of a sudden, once once the disowned traits come to the surface, they start to interfere with my ability or I guess my um, that that cloud nine moment that we used to have. And all of a sudden, there's more negative than positive. And I get more protective over myself and I start to avoid my wife and I start to regress and I start right. to eventually second guess my decision to marry her. Mm-hmm. And that's usually how it goes, right? Right. I guard right. myself, and I eventually second-guess the decision to stay in such a vulnerable position. Because mm-hmm. think about it. To be in love, like true agape love, means that you have to be completely vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And vulnerability does not happen over the matter of one or two years. That's That happens as you guys grow together, mm-hmm. right? right? And so imagine if he or she is struggling to be vulnerable because there are a lot of things about themselves that they haven't dealt with yet, mm-hmm. that they haven't accepted because they keep rejecting it. Right. How can I truly change my communication issue if I can keep disowning it, if I don't even admit that it exists, right? Going along with what you were talking about. Right, Good right. example. And, and so imagine if that issue keeps coming up because we keep having issues because I can't communicate it effectively. Well, the more that issue comes up, the more it shows me that she's the problem when really it's my issue. And see, here's the beauty of marriage. God allows you to get in such a close proximity with another person that he calls you guys one so that your heart can truly be healed and changed. Mm. And really, that's one of the mages, mages. Is that a word? Mages? <laughs> it's going to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be most and major together. That's, that's, okay. that's one word. of the most important aspects of marriage is that it redefines and and refines your heart. Mm -hmm. And most, especially most men, because we are emotionally illiterate, we don't like to go through that process because it's painful. And remember, Mm -hmm. as humans, we're pain-avoiding, pleasure-seeking creatures. So if there's something too too painful for me, I'm going to avoid it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go towards pleasure. right? Right, right. And my pleasure was seeking outside of the relationship for, you know, affirmation. That, That filled my void. Right. Mm -hmm. Because my wife couldn't feel it because she kept rejecting or reflecting back to me my issues. That's that's my brain thinking. That was how I was blaming her. She couldn't feel that void because she was the main reason why I was having them. When really she was just exposing my issues of my heart. Can you give a real life example of 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 what I reflected back to you? Yeah. Well, here's here's one of the things I know we talked about it a lot, but because I didn't grow up with my father, I lacked affirmation in terms of my masculinity, not my sexuality, but what does it look like to be a healthy man? What does it look like to be a healthy emotional man, a healthy emotional husband? What does all that look like? 
And who's there to affirm me, to, to tell me job well done? Who's there to help me to understand my inadequacies and to give me an, an example or a model of how to get right on the, or get on the right track? And so imagine going to get into a marriage, an extremely vulnerable position and not having all those answers, mm -hmm. constantly seeking um, information. And so I overcompensated by having a lot of head knowledge. And so all of a sudden, though, when I get to my wife, there are certain areas of me emotionally that I'm not able to tap into. I can't do the patience thing. I can't do the agape love thing. And all of a sudden, when she is challenging me to love her deeper and stronger and harder, I don't have it to give. And because most, you know, a man rule is that you're supposed to have all the information. You're supposed to know where you're going. You should never be lost. You should never be weak. Well, because in that, in that instance, I was vulnerable and weak. I didn't like that, so I rejected that, and I mm -hmm. went the opposite direction. And I went to That's where true. I felt affirmed because I didn't feel like I was safe enough to be affirmed by my wife. When really, it wasn't because she was showing me how bad of a person I was, but she was just revealing my heart. Mm -hmm. She didn't tell me I was a bad person. She just revealed that there were issues in my heart that I was struggling in. Mm -hmm. Is that a good enough example? No, that's very good. Because okay. I think that especially those who have um, a situation right now that they're dealing with, where they have a reluctant spouse that they're mm -hmm. standing for, it's good to have that type of real-life example so that they can have a, a more clear picture as to what got them there to in the first place. Yeah, no, and that's good. That's good. Thank you for asking me to do that. Now, so, so this, that transition happens. The person, your spouse, becomes less and less motivated, and then they become reluctant. They start to second-guess their decision to marry you. They start to withdraw from the marriage. They start to protect themselves. They have their guard up. They're more defensive. They're less engaged in the marriage process. And then they become lost, right? And there are two types of reluctant spouses. There's a lost reluctant spouse. I talk about this in the book, but I'm going to just give, you, give it to you guys now. There's a lost reluctant spouse, and there's a cold reluctant spouse. I don't see too many spouses, reluctant spouses, starting off cold. Cold happens as a progression. Right. So the more lost you get, the colder you get. Right. And I was not all the way cold, but I was semi cold. I was mainly lost, though. And lost just means I was confused. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the answers. I was confused about this marriage thing and what exactly I was here for and what exactly I could contribute to it. Right. And mm -hmm. and so but that's usually what happens if if a lost spouse is unwilling and, and unwilling to truly cope with their pain and their exposure, then they become cold, reluctant spouses. Um, and, and I talk about how to, you know, what you do based off of where your spouse is, but I want to give you four, um, strategies though, while we do have you for a couple more minutes, I want to just give you four strategies of what to do if you are in a relationship with a reluctant spouse. Um, now obviously this is, these are just starter strategies. There's more that we give and go into, especially in the book, but I just want to give you four really good ones to start off with that I know work. Um, but I want you to remember there's a progression. Your spouse doesn't start off reluctant. Mm -hmm. They usually start off extremely motivated. And then all of a sudden, because they're ill-equipped to deal with their issues, they become reluctant. Right. right? Anything you want to add before I go into these four tips? No, let's go. All right. So, so here, here are some uh, simple strategies that you can implement today to uh, help you better be prepared at enduring this season with a reluctant spouse. And trust me. Based off of Mandy, <laughs> her telling me it's not a fun thing. You know, it's not fun no, to same. to deal with a reluctant spouse because we're very selfish. We're very egotistical. We're very insecure. Um, and we just are confused. 
So we're up one day, down the other. You know, we we will pull you close to us, then we push you away, right? And so it's it's just it's not a fun thing. So here's some things that you can do. Here's the one of the most important things you can do. Remember that their desire to flee from the marriage is more of a coping mechanism than it is a personal attack on you. Mm-hmm. I just want to lay that foundation first. Mm-hmm. Their desire to flee from the marriage is more of a coping mechanism. This is how they have learned to cope with the pain that they're dealing with, that they're struggling with, right? And so it's not really about you, even though they may say it's about you. Like I did about, I said it about, it was about Mandy. And she went on this journey to try to change all these things at first. And then she figured out that, you know what, it's not really about me, you know? And so, but they're going to tell you it's about you. They're going to tell you you're the reason they don't want to be married. They're going to tell you that you're the reason why they're disgruntled with the marriage. But it's really not about you. Right. It's the fact that they're trying to flee from the pain that they're having. Right. It's a coping mechanism. Remember, we're pain-avoiding, pleasure-seeking creatures. Okay? That's the first point. The second tip is this. If you are emotionally unbalanced, and this is for you, husband or wife, if you are emotionally unbalanced, you will fail. Just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I wish I could say it easier or nicer, but if you are unstable in your emotions, Mm-hmm. Never mind your reluctant spouse. If you're unstable, you're going to fail at this. Right. If, if you get offended and you allow their attempts at distancing, them, distancing themselves uh, through anger and aggression and disrespectful behaviors, if you allow that to work because you get offended all, in your, all up in your feelings, you will be too emotionally unstable to see what's really going on. Right. And you have to see the heart. You have to see the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. And if you're too emotionally clouded to really discern what's going on, mm-hmm. then you're going to fail. That's why spiritually you have to have a, a higher perspective yes. of the situation. Yes. You know, because if you are not able to see that they are truly lost and in need of God, and if you're not willing to go to God to get what you need to be able to stand and pray for them while they're in that spot, then, like David said, it won't work. That's a big one. I'm telling you guys, we, we're we working intimately with spouses, and we see, we, we get the whole gamut. We get some spouses that are emotionally stable and some that are emotionally unstable. But even the ones who are stable now, it, it took a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. and there's strategy to that. Yes, there's, it is. Like in Mandy's group, so the people that purchased the Motivated to Love book, they have this private group that they're in, and for spouses there, uh, we're starting to do what we call a marriage motivation plan. Right. And so we do something very specific for their the spouse and their, their spouse, their right. reluctant spouse. And we give them strategies to help them become emotionally stable Mm -hmm. because most yeah inconsistent which is the actual third point is you have to be very consistent thank you for jumping it's okay you ain't got the notes like i do so you're good (laughs) we're on the same page (laughs) but here the but it's we're laughing but it's so true you have to be very consistent with demonstrating unconditional love Mm -hmm. if you do it for two days and you offer one day you're going to do more damage than good Mm -hmm. because guess what nine times out of ten they don't have an accurate uh, representation of motor, of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. So you are the reflection of the heart of God. You have mm-hmm. to be in that position. So if you're inconsistent, mm-hmm. then what you're really teaching them is that unconditional love is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. And understand that we're talking about 
We're talking to you as a person who is a firm standard. Mm-hmm. Now, if, you're, if your response to what David just said is, well, why do I have to love unconditionally? And then, I'm not, so, then I'm not talking to then you. Then he's not talking yeah, to you. Yeah, you can go ahead, kick rocks somewhere. Because, no, because you know what? I'm, try, I'm tired of just being nice. Because, okay, so I understand that there's going to be a group of people who just won't grasp the concept of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. This is not for them. And so I'm not going to spend time trying to get them to agree. They're just not going to agree. That's fine. I mean, There's it's other something people that out God there. has to call you yeah, to because yeah. it is truly a journey that is Kick not rocks. easy. Kick your feet on some rocks. I'm sorry. Let me Stop be nice. It. I'm just saying, I mean, at some point we got to, you know, I want to talk to the people that are willing and ready to stand for their marriage. Everybody right. else can do something else. That's fine. That's fine. But, you know, this is for those who want to stand. But in any case, you got to be consistent. Yeah. If you're inconsistent, you will fail. And here's the last point, which is very, very, very important. You have to have faith in the right things. Right. Like, for real. Now, let me tell you what I mean, okay? <laughs> and I, I like this topic, but it also kind of annoys me at times. But I'm going to talk about it. So, okay. Here's what you have to have faith in. You have to have faith in what God is currently saying to you about your marriage. You can't put your... Okay, now, I'm going to say this. Don't crucify me, but just listen. You can't put your faith in what a scripture says about marriage in general. You have to put your faith in what God is saying to you about your marriage, right? So the Bible says it this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So it gives you a clear a clear um, strategy for how to get faith. It comes by hearing and not just hearing, but hearing by the word of God. Now, that word, word, the word of God, that phrase is not what most people think it is. Okay, so the Bible is not written in English. Okay, so we can't interpret that word as the way we interpret it. The Bible was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, right? And so that word in Greek, the word that's used can be defined as two different types. There's logos and then there's rhema, right? And what the word word can be broken down to either rhema, rhema or logos. Now, logos means the written or informative word of God, the Bible, right? The text. The word rhema means the spoken word of God or the current word of God, what God is currently saying to you. And in that scripture, it says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God, not logos, okay? So when you're acquiring faith, it has to be faith in what God is saying to you about your situation. So if you just go to the Bible and say, because God hates divorce, my marriage is blessed, you're doing it wrong. You're not going to have any substance to your faith. But if you stand in your faith because you heard God say to you that this is who your husband is and this is what your marriage is called to do, stand on that. What is God currently saying to you about your marriage? Mm-hmm. There's a story that I talked about on uh, Mandy's call last Thursday. Um, this book that I was reading called The Fourth Dimension. And the, the author is a, he's the pastor of the largest, largest church over in Hong Kong. And he was telling a story about faith. And he was saying how one afternoon there was this lady, this huge lady over there that does these meetings with teenagers and, and young adults, you know, these Christian gatherings. And uh, one Sunday she was having a meeting. It was across the river, but there was a huge storm, huge storm to where the river flooded over. You couldn't get over on a boat because the waves were too high and it just was, you couldn't get over. So there was three young women who were very exuberant and they were very motivated and on fire for God. And they said, you know, they went to the river bank and they was like, you know what? Our faith is the same faith as Paul, uh, uh, Peter had in the Bible. And Peter's faith is our faith. 
And Peter was able to walk on the water. And that scripture is in the Bible. And Jesus, all he had to say, you know, Jesus said, come. And, and Peter walked on the water. And so they said, if Peter can do it, we can do it. We put our faith in that scripture. Right? And so they held hands. They got themselves hyped up. And this is a true story, by the way. They got themselves hyped up. And then they started to, they took their first step into the water. And immediately, as soon as their foot hit the water, they were swept under stream or they, they were swept, swept underneath uh, by the uh, current of water. And three days later, their bodies drifted up onto land, drifted ashore. They're dead bodies, not alive. Um, and once everybody saw this, they kind of were shocked because they thought that if the Bible said it was true, then it was true for you. And what he started to teach them was that you have to put your faith in what in, in the what the rhema is, what God is saying to you about the situation. Because if you remember the story, Jesus gave Peter a rhema. Peter was very specific. He said, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. That's the rhema. So Peter was able to put his faith in what Jesus said. The same has to be for your marriage. What is God saying to you about your marriage? If you don't know, you have to find out. You have to silence yourself, quit quoting scriptures and, and praying and being all out. And sometimes it's about being silent, mm -hmm. finding your time alone and hearing what God is saying to you about your marriage. Mm -hmm. And I know some people aren't going to like that, but trust me, it's in the Bible and you can see it time in and time out. Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. So there are tons of inferences in the Bible that talks about this. Right. Sometimes you have to silence yourself. And, and all of those things can be done together. You know, yes, you are still supposed to study the Bible, the written word, yes. and meditate on that and, and pray and fast and all those different things. But you cannot negate hearing from God mm -hmm. and waiting on God and, and hearing what he's saying to your heart. Mm -hmm. He is still speaking. He's still speaking. Yeah. You know. And and he, and the funny thing is, that's what Mandy used in our situation. Yeah. Because before we started dating, Mar Mandy went on a seven day fast mm -hmm. to hear specifically from God about our relationship. And once she heard from God that she got the that God approved this relationship, she said she came back to me. She said I'm ready to go. And then we 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 started dating. And so when we got into that rough, but not not only that, but even when we get, were getting married, we had tons and tons of people prophesying over our marriage. And so when we got married and then we had this rough patch, Mandy was able to stand on all of those promises, the very promises that she heard directly from God. And that's what solidified her faith, right? So in, in any right, case, right. we could stand in this puddle and play all night, but I just want to let you guys know, what is God saying about your marriage? Position yourself to hear his voice. Maybe you got to turn off the radio. Maybe you got to get off Facebook. Maybe you got to stop talking so much to certain people and hear what God is saying to you about your marriage. That's right. But in any case, um, we're going to end there. Um, there's tons of other information that we can add to this, um, but I'll have to save that for my book. <laughs> uh, but in closing, I do want to say thank you guys for leaving ratings and uh, reviews on iTunes yes. for those who did. Um, we really need those to continue growing our brand and to continue to broaden our brand. So if you have a chance, go to iTunes on your iPhone and leave an honest rating and review. And uh, we'll appreciate that, right? Um, also, you can go to mendourmarriage.com slash episode 41 to leave a comment or, to or ask questions about this particular podcast. So mendourmarriage.com slash episode 41 um, to to. Leave, just tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Lastly, we're going to be in Lake City, 
South Carolina yes. at a marriage banquet and seminar on October the 3rd. Mm-hmm. So if any of you guys are in uh, Lake City, South Carolina, or, or close surrounding, surrounding mm-hmm. community, please, please come out. We want to do a meetup before the event. Um, or after the event, we'll give you more details, but we want to do a meetup so we can meet the people that we are serving. Yes. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll go out, we'll all go out to eat or, you know, do something fun, maybe go to the beach. But we want to meet you guys. We want to see your faces and shake hands and hug necks and yes. kiss babies. Okay. So, <laughs> um, but in any case, guys, we appreciate your time. We love you. And, uh, Mandy, yeah. you got anything else you want to add? Just deuces. Deuces, guys. We are out. <laughs> deuce, deuce, baby.